On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, we take a deep dive into the Jimmy Butler era with the Bulls and his rise now to the NBA Finals. Did the Bulls screw up? Probably. We then will preview the Bears Thursday night matchup with TB12 and the Bucks, and a whole lot more, all coming up on Episode 9. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one home for professionals. I'm Dan Collins. You can find me on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. The man across the Skype for me is Joey Gelman. You can find him on Twitter at Joey Gelman. We are a little less sad in terms of Chicago sports this show. I think we, we got over it a little bit, right, Joey? Over the crazy week that was seeing the Sox, Cubs out of the playoffs and the Bears just have a complete tank job. It's amazing. Time t- time heals all wounds, I guess. Like it was just a disaster and the world was ending and now it's like, all right, we got over it. We survived. Yeah. We're a little better, but now you want to bring up, you know, time heals all like you said, <laughs> but now you want to bring up old wounds. I do. Because we're watching the NBA finals and there is a Chicago sports theme tie to it which is the Miami Heat's Jimmy Butler. And, you know, it, it just goes to think, we, we've been talking about this actually, you know, on and off, Joey. Not not on the show, but we said, hey, this has to be a show topic already because you can't help but watch the Heat's playoff run into the finals. And then Jimmy Butler just a couple games ago dropping 40 to help the Heat win their first game. Down 3-1 now in the series, and it doesn't look good. You know, odds are they're going to be bound sooner or later. But still, nonetheless, Jimmy Butler finds himself in the finals and the Chicago Bulls, still the spectators, didn't even get an invite to the bubble, the the COVID-19 bubble. And here we are just thinking, you know, we're playing alternate universes here on what could have been, what should have been, what is now. And I think it's just interesting when you look back at it of what could have been if the Bulls did this right or you can always say, do they do it right all along? Just specifically talking about Jimmy Butler and how that all went down and what he's doing now. And once again, what the Bulls are doing now, which is sitting down and looking at a screen like we're doing now. They're watching on TV. They're spectating. So Joey wants to open up open wounds. And you know what, Joey? I'm all for it. Why not? We, we weren't sad enough last episode. <laughs> let's, be, let's, let, let's be more sad now. But actually, I think at the end of the day, you can spin it positively because everything we're going to talk about will hopefully never exist again because the Bulls now have a fresh outlook and management running their team. And Learn that's from their mistakes, right? Yeah. And, and that's again, what that's I if, take away that's from if it's it. a mistake. We, we don't know if it was a mistake yet. We'll go through all that in this show. We can rewind all the way back in time, back to 2011. If I could turn back time. They would do a lot of things. A lot of Chicago <laughs> sports teams would do a lot of things differently. But year one, 2011, as you reminded me pre-show, you know, the year that Derrick Rose, first round of the playoffs, game one, towards the end, tears the ACL for the first time. And that was the year they, the Bulls drafted Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Oh, now that I started a theme with alternate universes, Bulls fans always love to do the whole, what if Rose got injured later on in his career or was an injury pro. No, it just goes to think you draft Jimmy Butler 2011 and that's the year that you start peaking, but never, you know, nonetheless, that's not what happened. That's not the world we're living in today. We're living in a world where Derrick Rose is well past the Chicago bulls, where Jimmy Butler is dropping 40 in the NBA finals, still most likely going to lose the NBA finals, but Hey, he's there. He's enjoying the bubble. And 
apparently makes some really good coffee. They could I have saw used, that. They, they could have used that at the UC. Hasn't he been doing it all bubble? Yeah. Well, He's Mr. Coffee. Maybe, maybe he could um, bring some, ship some over to Chicago. Who knows? Ship it over <laughs> to the United Center. He has ties. But oh, anyways, yeah. en- en- enough of that. I guess, Joey, your just initial thoughts or what you feel, because a lot of it, you know, it's coming up again as we're watching the playoffs and the finals. And I, just what emotions do you get or what, what do you think about? You know, what's the first thing that comes to your mind just simply watching Jimmy Butler in the finals, whether he's dropping 40 or not? Yeah, I mean, and we'll get into revisionist history shortly, but I think the first thing that comes to mind is just what could have been. I mean, it's and and who knows what could have happened. The sports are weird. You could have the best team in the world and lose in the first round, but it's it's the idea of was Jimmy Butler like the greatest teammate and probably greatest guy? No. Did I really care for him as a as a player? Not really. As a person, in terms of like he shouldn't comport himself in a way that really made you made him likable to you. But there was no denying his talent, and you saw that rise as he continued to grow with the Bulls, and then obviously with Miami now, but it it just shows what could have been, because for the longest time, we were all told by management, by coaches, by sports talk radio, by whomever, that you couldn't build a team around Butler, and now you're seeing him lead a team to the NBA Finals. They may not win. I mean, it, it's LeBron and AD. Anyone that runs into them is is in trouble. But there's a reality here of the guy nobody said could be the alpha and superstar to lead a team to the Finals is now doing it. And that's a, that's a big gut punch if you're a Bulls fan because you had him. And now you sit here in... A rebuild round eight. I don't know which one we're on right now, but hopefully this one's a little better than the rest of them. Where you go, okay, like now there's there's better minds in place that would hopefully not make that mistake again. But you're you're seeing now what a season Jimmy Butler can do for a team, and that's take him all the way to hopefully the top for Miami. It's interesting because you bring up his attitude, and you see a lot of things and headlines over previous years about him being a bad teammate, about him being about him having a bad attitude. When he was with the Bulls, there was a lot of that he wants to be the alpha male type of talk. He wants to be the head honcho, the guy you build around in Chicago. Even when he went off to Minnesota and to Philadelphia, it's not like the headlines were coming out that his attitude was that much better. But now you come into this year, and more or less recently, there's been a lot less talk about his attitude. If anything, it's been nothing but positive things to say. Like we said, he's brewing up coffee, having a good time. Winning top helps, the, but yeah, you're right. Top of the morning to you. Winning does help. And that's kind of where I'm getting to is I wonder if this fresh, new style attitude that you've seen of Jimmy Butler as of late. Sure, he's been a little down lately when you know they're losing finals games, but that that's, you know, that's going to come with that. But I wonder if it's because he is the main guy there in Miami. He's the vet. I mean, you have Bam, you know, as somebody, and you have Hero. You have role players around him. But for the most part, the main guy on that squad who's going to lead the way is Jimmy Butler. 
a lot of people said he's not going to be the main, he's not a top five superstar who could take you and win you an NBA Finals. Well, he took him there. Might not win it, but still got pretty damn far. Beat some good teams. And I just wonder if there was another alpha on that team, like a legitimate alpha who could really go toe-to-toe with Butler in terms of, oh, he's the better player. No, Jimmy's the better player. You know, something like a a random name out there, like a Jason Tatum or something, who I would say is better even. Like if there was just a clear back and forth on the bone, you know, top dog wrestling match there, but I don't think there is. And I just wonder if that's the reason, you know, you're seeing this new type of attitude with Jimmy Butler. And if that's the only way he'll ever be in those good top of the morning, have you a nice cup of Joe spirits is if he is for sure, without a shot of a doubt, the main guy, the leader on the team. Yeah, it's interesting. And be, be, because we saw that here, right? There, there was a, a stretch where there was yeah where but the bulls don't want to commit to it they right. don't want to say yes you're right we're going to bring in guys around you but those guys are going to be of less value than you he still wanted to be the guy of highest value right but they but they chose everyone else over him to take that highest value of yes i mean obviously derrick rose is the mvp and is the guy you're supposed to build around but it got to a point where after a few injuries you had to realize okay, he's not that guy anymore, and yes, he had a resurgence, ironically, in Minnesota as well, like Butler did, where he where he went off, and it was it's phenomenal, but it's, it's saying that Butler is your guy, and you build everything around it, not trying to replace the alpha with something else, and have Butler be complimentary, whether that was a Dwayne Wade, a Rajon Rondo, you know, whoever it was when that whole mess happened with the Bulls, and, and I think there's a it's one thing if you if you undervalue a player like poorly really and 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 don't really understand what he he means to your team but it's almost like the bulls didn't want and didn't allow him to become a star for them he grew but it's almost like they never wanted to really make him the face and 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 I think that's really interesting because they're, they're that they're, can piss off a player and make their attitude absolutely poor, what do you think yeah what are your thoughts on that <laughs> yeah because it's one thing it's one thing if you if you grind your way to the top right like if, if you're him and obviously listen he's got a, a story of homelessness to marquette to the 30th pick in the draft to building himself into what he is that's an awesome story incredible but but it's almost like he wasn't recognized for doing that ever he was still kind of in that category of an offshoot of like, yeah, he's good, he's complimentary, but he'll never be the star versus realizing, is he the top, you know, four or five players in the league? Probably not, but but he's good enough as a star to where he can lead and you build everything else around him. And he always was, I think, seen as a, a complimentary piece. He was always the two or the three behind whoever was going to be your Rose, your Giannis, your Harden, you know, whatever it may have been. And and, and I think that was a, a miscalculation by the Bulls, and, 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 and I think it it's coming to show right now what, what that meant of the Bulls have kind of been irrelevant for the last five years, and the Miami Heat, between their days with LeBron and now now with a really good run with Butler are the talk of the town and headlines. Sad to think about. And <laughs> just says we're back here on the sad 
annoying, depressing, angering theme of Chicago sports, but it's fine. You know, we're here to talk about it, and that's the um, therapy of it all, right, Joey? So uh, you know, it's it's funny. It's also a time. You know, you think back of the Bulls in that era, and it was when they had the merry-go-round of not only role players to come in and hopefully support a healthy Rose and a Butler, but they also needed that score, that shooting guard that they kept just searching for, whether it be somebody off the bench or a starter like a Rip Hamilton that they thought was going to work out or somebody like a Kyle Korver, a Doug McDermott, and it just never, ever panned out the the way they hope it the, the way they wish that it would i mean doug mcdermott i, I it's escaping me now I, I hate it but i mean he was drafted awfully high yeah they he traded was, up for him they got him at 11 yes <laughs> top 15 and i mean they were just that desperate during that whole merry-go-round of a situation of it almost reminds you of like when the bears are always searching for a quarterback it's like the Bulls right. were always searching for a shooting guard to, right. to help Rose or to you know get them over the hump to beat the Heat that time. You know, but during think that about era. what you just said though. They were looking for a guard to complement Rose, never the intention of supplanting Rose, and that's what hurt them. Because after yeah. three injuries, you have to realize this is your Kevin White of yeah. he's never going to be the same. Not that they're in the same. Look, I know Rose won MVP, but it's the idea of you you realize he's never going to be the same and you got to move on. And, and, and the Bulls really struggled with that. And I get it. It's hard to reconcile Chicago's very own never being able to be that superstar, the Jordan-esque kind of player that he was supposed to be. It's hard, but you got to suck it up and rebuild your team. Toward the end... That's exactly what happened, is they just said, hey, we're going to have to cut ties here. It didn't work. The chemistry, the attitude, it just got too sour, almost to a point where it was not fixable, right? At least that's probably what they would tell you is it was just time. It was time to move on. And probably so. You know, if the Bulls, you know, if you turn back the clock just a few years and, and you, you get back to draft day and they don't trade away Jimmy Butler, you know, to the Wolves and they keep him. Is it, a, is it a different type of era of Bulls basketball we're heading into? Maybe. I don't know. I doubt it. it, it the sad thing is it, it most likely was time. It was the right thing to do then. I don't know if it was best handled, but once it got to that point. <laughs> I, exactly. I you writing, had to. I think the writing was on the wall. Yeah, right. You had to. Because the there's. Thing, the thing is, could, could you have done things before that? to where you didn't have to run into that obvious moment. Correct. And I guess that's what we're trying to figure out. Right. Well, well, that's what it is. And I think there's kind of three categories we can go off of here um, with the Bulls. And I think there's, there's a mismanagement and development of a player by Tom Thibodeau. I think there is the team's inability to move on from a Derrick Rose shadow, which we talked touched upon. And then I think the third and final one is the Bulls never really willing to admit that he's the star they want to build around because of of his attitude and and his ability that they just thought wasn't as good enough. And so, I mean, we, we, we can start with Tibbs. And, and I think for as great of a coach as he was with the Bulls and building to what they were, he was a stickler for not playing rookies. And I think in 2011, when you probably had your best chance at a finals run with a healthy Rose, which is, of course, the year he got hurt, I, I think there was a misunderstanding of what Butler could bring to the table. And... They 
viewed him, you know, that was kind of, I mean, 10 years ago, the NBA was different. I think it was a little more position focused, but it was an idea of, well, he's a small forward. So when Luol Deng retires, we get rid of him. He's the next guy. When realizing, no, he's a shooting guard or it is an all-purpose guard, and you had to put him in instantly as a rookie versus playing him eight minutes a game for half the season. Like, you just wasted a whole year to where you're seeing rookies and young players now take over the league. And that was, I think, a big mistake. It was, yeah. Like you said, it was a different, it was a different type of game 10 years ago. It's almost like if a coach wasn't stuck in their ways and innovative and a little bit ahead of their time, like great coaches are, we would have never ran into that problem. <laughs> right? I, I know it was a different style yeah. game. But there's a reason why it's much different now. We figured out, no, that's baloney. If somebody could play at the NBA level, not only that, but at a high caliber, it doesn't matter if they're day one in the league, day 20, right. or seven years in. Play them. If they, if they can help you win games and they could just develop just fine as they move along with in-game experience, do it. Right. What do you know? You mean to tell me there was a Chicago head coach that was stuck in their ways? <laughs> I've never heard of that in my life. Man, wait a minute. Did I see that this Sunday? Anyways, we'll get into that later. That's exactly what it was, though. It was, it's it's another theme that isn't directly tied to Jimmy Butler, but is directly tied to that era right. of Chicago Bulls basketball, primarily with Tibbs at the helm, because it was very, like you said, seemed to stress a little bit on that positional base, you know, positional style basketball, run them to the ground. Right. Game one through 82 of the regular season and even into the you know first round of the postseason, even if you have game one wrapped up against the 76ers and Derrick Rose gets injured. Anyways, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. It's just crazy when you think back of that time and how just how things were handled. I don't know. Like you said, Tibbs, I think when you look back at that era, you would you would give him a good grade, right? You would give him a oh, passing yeah. grade. Maybe even like a B, high B, B plus. Listen, to where they were to to make those playoff runs that they did, absolutely. But if you just look back at it, you're saying the same thing today when you reminisce on it that you were saying throughout the Tim Thibodeau era, which is he just needs to not necessarily – just adapt, right? I know you have not only a game plan day-to-day. I know you have just an overall philosophy – of how you should run a team day in and day out. I know you have he had very, you know, big long-term philosophies on how to run a team from start to finish. And hopefully the finish is an NBA Finals victory, even though he's not yet to get there. And the reason probably is is because hey, if your philosophy needs to be tweaked a little bit, tweak it along the way. I mean, just that's any great coach, right? Maybe his his mindset could have worked. Had, had things went perfectly and players stayed healthy and had just career years. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, your philosophy potentially could have worked. But the world doesn't work like that. Sports doesn't work like that. Shit happens. Players get hurt. Players can, you know, bad attitudes. You don't know what's going on. That, that's the world, right? I mean, you always have to adapt and have a different, you know, be able to switch up your philosophy or your practices and Sadly, I mean, that's one of the main things. I mean, you could talk about all the goods and all the bads, but one of the major cons when you look back at that era was also that. 
you know, and maybe when you relate it back to Jimmy Butler, specifically in the Tibbs era, maybe he didn't like that almost handcuffed styled type of philosophy. Really, he, Tibbs was so predictable, you know, after a while. And right. Luckily, he had good enough talent to still win him a lot of ball games because while predictable, as long as you got the talent to still win you the games, <laughs> you know, it could work out. But who knows? Right. Maybe that's another maybe that's another thing that led to the poor attitude of a one well, Jimmy Butler. Right, because it's the idea of you know you're better than the guys in front of you and you're not being appreciated for it. And when you sit here and you look at the Bulls from, you know, let's say that year or those couple of years and you're a shooting guard forward combo that just needs some space to play and you're being handcuffed to the bench in favor of like a Ronnie Brewer or an aging Rip Hamilton because they're the veterans and they were brought here to... Well, you would be happy about that, right? If you were in his shoes, you'd be happy about that, right? You oh, wouldn't mind it. I'd be you so happy. Mind. I'd you'd be, be joyous. Left, left bench every day of the week. Right. So that, so that's the thing. If you're like a rookie that's like a... I don't know. I'll it to, to, to Kendrick Nunn right now of someone who had a, a, a good college career, then had made a really stupid mistake while at Illinois. Not bitter at all. Don't worry. Um, I-L-L. <laughs> I-N-I. And then cost him a tournament run because he was a moron and domestic violence is awful and he should be punished. But um, it was the idea of he had to re-earn his stripes and he had to build his career back up and t- fight his ass off to get into the league. Butler's a first-round pick. And is good enough to be on the floor, and you just weren't going to let him because he was a rookie. And that hurt you, and that tells him that I'm not valued for what I'm supposed to be. It's plain and simple. Nuts. Well, I mean, Joey, I think we've reached that time. Um, Yay or nay? And was it all, was it the right move? Was it all handled correctly? I think just in breaking it down with you, was it handled correctly? No. Was it the right move at the end? Yes, if it was handled correctly in an alternate universe, would we be in a better position? That's still probably gray. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. We're at where we're at. But just looking back at it, like you said, I think the main things to remember and focus on is just just learning from all that. (laughs) Just the way it all went down. And if you have somebody who you can build around, and be one of those top dogs, hell, then do it. It's funny because not only is there this Jimmy Butler connection to the Bulls, there's one more thing I do want to touch on before I go to that uh, fantastic offensive team in Chicago, the Chicago Bears. That's them. Um, Before we get there, let's not forget Anthony Davis, who's having a just magnificent finals. It was a slap in the face when he was coming up on free agency and you knew there was like there was like a point zero zero one percent chance that the right. Bulls were going to bring him to his hometown. Right. I mean, there's still that kind of connection there. Of man, remember like when the Bulls potentially could have had this guy if we had the right coach, if we had another superstar too right. to pitch to him. But him coming up on his free agency year, there was like like I said, like a zero a point zero zero one percent chance we would land him. Right. And watching him. Do what he's doing in the finals for the Lakers. There is that small, not just because he's the hometown kid, there's still that very, very small connection there of, hey, remember when the Bulls were saying, like, yeah, he's a guy we would go after. Yeah, absolutely. We would love a guy like AD in Chicago. All the fans wanted it too, right? Everybody's like, oh, come AD's free agent year. Maybe, maybe, you know, we'll bring him home. No, never could because 
we just didn't have the squad. We right. didn't have the lead, the leadership wasn't yeah. there. I, I I think it comes back to the last two two themes that I said earlier of you know moving on from Tibbs, the idea of the team's inability to move on from Rose, and the team's inability to build a team around Butler. And I think those ring true with with the Anthony Davis of the the, the Bulls brass wasn't able to to understand what they had in front of them. And needing to move on and build around bigger stars and negotiate and make relationships with bigger stars, whether that was a butler who they had or someone like Anthony Davis. And, and, and it took them too long to figure that out to where it hurt them. And they kept trying to complement a team around a player that couldn't be what he wanted to be. And then if you, and then if you look at, well, man, Garpax isn't going to realize and admit that Jimmy Butler is a star they can build around. Why would I ever want to go there? Because they're not going to appreciate me and build a team around me. And so when you look at the Heat now with Butler and and you have a, a team that compliments him with, with an Iguodala that has experience. You have Bam Adebayo. You have Tyler Hero. You have Duncan Robinson. Even Kendrick Nunn. And you have all the, these players that, that compliment what Butler brings. And then when you look at what the Bulls tried to do with Jimmy Butler, I don't want to hurt your ears with this list I, I made for us. But people, like, they, they drafted a trade for they couldn't develop. I mean, it's it's Doug McDermott, it's Miritich, Tony Snell, Cameron Payne, Denzel Valentine, Paul, Paul Zipser. Even Tabo Cephalosha had a career after leaving the Bulls. Tyrus Thomas, Marcus Teague, Jimmer Fredette, Cameron Bearstow. I mean, all misses. And then you go, okay, well, because we miss on all those, because we clearly don't know how to build around our guy or even admit that he is our guy, you patch it up with bandages. And that was Joffrey Laverne and Keith Bogans and Razul Butler and Carlos Boozer and Anthony Morrow. I mean, I'm getting sick saying these names. <laughs> and and you, you, you eventually have this realization of this organization – couldn't do it. And so if you're like, go, sorry, going back to your point of Anthony Davis of why would you ever want to come to the Bulls? Because they clearly can't evaluate their own talent, let alone outside talent to complement what they could have. And so I think the takeaway from all this, like you said, is that era of Bulls basketball really messed up. But what I can say is with the realization of they messed up and the ability to hire Karnaschovas, Eversley, Billy Donovan, there's a new fresh reality here of this group now, I'm confident in them to to develop properly and to understand the talent on a roster versus over or under evaluating them to a fault. And that's at least what I leave with of they royally messed up. Butler's in the finals. The Bulls are are the are the laughing stock of the league for the last three or four years. But now there's a turn. And, and I hope I never have to read a list like that again of garbage players that, that suited up in, in red and white. I don't know about you, but I like Keith Bogans. I like Keith Bogans. <laughs> one of the names that, you know, it, he, he was fine. We, All right, I'll trade, you, I'll trade you Keith Bogans for Isaiah Cannon. No. <laughs> Can't have it. All right, fine. Yeah, if, that's, if I have Cannon, sure, here. You go ahead and take him. I'll take Keith Bogans. Anyways, you're right, Joey. That's exactly what it is. It's bringing it all full, full circle now to the era of AK and bringing in Billy Donovan and hopefully that attracting these star players, even if it starts out small and then you could bring in some guys. 
like AD or something. We just need a superstar. This town needs a top three, top five superstar. If you want to win a championship and you want to have a really legitimate shot at it, you need a legitimate superstar. Yeah. Speaking of superstars, there's going to be a quarterback on Thursday playing who's a superstar. Nick Foles. (laughs) TV 12, Tom Brady. Hey, don't forget who beat Tom Brady. Yeah. In the Super Bowl, okay, one of the one of the few to do it. Eli Manning, Nick Foles. That's Nick a Foles weird ass combo. Like think about like, all the quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, and it's those two that could beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Hey, facts are facts. It's I'm true. Just giving you the facts. And Joey, I don't know. Well, I do know this. I know you're not too much of a gambling guy, but you at least know how the numbers work and things like that. I am shocked, shocked that. As of late, when the line opened up, it was minus five and a half for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's down to minus four and a half. Not a huge favorite at all. <laughs> I think they'll win by more th- than a touchdown. Even I mean, minus four and a half. Sure, that, that's just that's under a tutty, hundred percent. Maybe I'm just being too pessimistic, but I honestly, for this Thursday night football game, I see the Buccaneers winning pretty comfortably maybe not necessarily a a gigantic you know i'm not sitting here saying it's gonna be like a 35 to 3 35 to 10 blowout i'm not trying to say that but my theory is i know it's any given sunday and i know things can change from week to week and i know that that was nick Foles' first time starting a game for the bears and trying to get well acquainted and it wasn't just go out there face a crap Falcons prevent defense. There's a crap defense regardless of, you know, what what formation they're in. Um, but still, if Phillip Rivers and the rest of that Colts team could, for the most part, from start to finish, control a game against the Chicago Bears, I don't know why I should have too much faith that a lot of that is going to change now with a TB12 who is getting more and more acquainted on a weekly basis with his weapons and getting more comfortable in Tampa. I don't know why I should have any type of a different mindset. And I don't want to just be super down on the beers now, but I said it last show, we had our fun in the beginning of the season. We had a nice little three and start where everything crap was just hitting the fan and we were winning in all kind of wild ways. I think that's coming to an end now. And I could see, I mean, I could see, Three and five, four and seven record, real quick sneaking up on us Yikes. as we go along these weeks. I could see it. I just, it's weird. I, if Nick Foles struggles, we've talked about this many, many times. What do you do? Do you just play ping pong in terms of bringing in Mitch, bringing in Foles, bringing in Mitch, bringing in Foles, Tyler Bray? Is, is he going to get a shot? Like, he's on the active roster. What's going on? It's, That's true. It's, is, is that what you're going to do? Are you just going to be playing ping pong where, oh, you sucked, Mitch, you're, you're you know, round two. Oh, you suck, Nick. You get used. Like, Foles is pretty much the guy. At least you would think. Who knows? I mean, crazy things can happen. You know, unless, like, the next three weeks he's just garbage and then they give Mitch another shot, which would be weird. But, I mean, that's, that's legitimate what this whole Bears season is. I mean, we've talked about it since before week one. We know that's the story. And – they're only going to be as good as that guy behind center, I think. I know that the defense is a pretty good defense, even though against the run, don't look too great lately. But it's going to be the offense. This is an offensive league. We're going to be facing some good offenses coming up. 
And it's just a matter of how good is that guy under center going to perform? How well is Matt Nagy going to plan and adapt, adapt (laughs) in game at half? Say one more time so he hears you. Adapt. Adapt. No, he's not going to adapt. He's going to be him, right? Be you. It's fine. I mean, it. I just, I just don't see it. I, I don't see the Bears haven't given, didn't give me no reason right in their last performance against the Colts to think that they have a realistic chance against the Bucks. And maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe I'm nuts. Maybe, maybe there's way more reasons to have, maybe I'm just being a meatball and I am just Mr. Heat of the moment right now with this Bears team. But I think Tom Brady's going to be pretty comfortable on Thursday. I hope I'm wrong. He's going to be pretty comfortable. Yeah, I, I would think so. I think the line is probably only that because there's no home field advantage. Foles has beat Brady in the past in the Super Bowl, obviously. And I think that's what they're banking on. If it was Trubisky, the line would be way different. Oh, but, yeah. But, but no, I, th- I think I, 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 I'm not confident either. They showed me nothing last week to give me that. And I... I just get concerned. The one thing I will say is Thursday night is always a really weird football game, so they could get really lucky and and play well. And who knows, Foles in his second full week as a starter may be better. But, but like you said, are they going to only go with Foles or Trubisky, whatever it is? And I, I truly believe once they took out Trubisky, it was done. They're never going back unless there's an injury. And so now this is what you got. And you have to see if it can can work. And, and, and the Bears took advantage of beating really lesser opponents those first three weeks. And now the real schedule begins. And this is your team. And, and it's going to be real interesting to see. Because like you said, I mean, they had a really great start at 3-0. But it could spiral very quickly in a matter of, I mean, you, you could be 500 real quick because of who you're playing next. And there's not really a confidence anymore of Nick Foles has a game of five touchdowns, then the Bears have 11 points, mostly three from the majority of the game. And you, you, you have to be proven otherwise. Nagy hasn't proven that to us yet. He hasn't been able to adapt his team yet to play a full, a full game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not as confident this week. I would love to be proven wrong. The week is always better when the Bears win, but uh, it'll certainly give us a lot to talk about if they lose again, <laughs> and especially against Tom Brady, someone they, you know, probably could have tried to trade for, or if they, you know, they they chose to be Trubisky and Foles. the The weird thing is, is that you just, I don't know, as a Bears fan sitting on my couch this coming up Thursday, and all even the past weeks. All I'm ever dialed in on is the quarterback play. I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's very, very intriguing. And yes, wouldn't that have been great if, if Tom Brady just decided to come to Chicago instead? But didn't he? Isn't there? There's, there's quotes out there, isn't there, saying that he just doesn't like the cold? There's some crap like that, or he just wanted to finally go somewhere nice, some warm weather. You played in Foxborough for how many years? Come on. Right. Uh, that that was just probably the, his nice way of saying no thanks. Um, you look back at that game too, Joey, on on Sunday. And maybe it's good. It's a quick turnaround. <laughs> maybe it's not. Who knows? Those Thursday games can always just be just laughable contest. Really, they can. Just weird things happen on Thursday night football. But there's going to be something 
that we learn a little more of. It's been a question that's we that we have been asking even since, you know, all of last year during Mitch Trubisky's struggles is well, who does the fault in terms of the actual gameplay, right? Who does that fall on? The line at times is just awful. So it's like, how can any quarterback play behind that line? How can any running back get upfield when there's no holes? So the line, obviously, throughout, there's been some some really terrible moments, some really poor performances all around, from tackle to tackle. But then you also, what about the the, the game the the game plan and the calling? Of Matt Nagy, screen pass, screen pass, screen pass. It's not working. Do something else. So, and then you just go to the quarterback play straight up. You know, Trubisky, what he was doing, falls what he was doing. And what I'm going to be a lot dialed in on, again, is not only the quarterback play, but the game calling. And a little bit of the offensive line play. But if the offensive line plays like crap, they play like crap. If they play well, they play well. I mean, there's only so much I think Nagy could do there to figure that out. If, If the guys just can't get it done... They can't get it done. Just like if Trubisky or Foles can't get it done, they can't get it done. But from the head coaching standpoint, from the play calling standpoint, none of that has gotten too different. And we're seeing a little bit less. Like he's, It seems like he's trying to be less cute this year, right? It seems like last season through the first three weeks, there were more cute plays in there. So he's kind of dropped that part, but it's become almost more boring. Like – I want the middle. I don't necessarily want too cute, but I also don't want too boring. I want I want innovation, and I just want something that, that works, damn it. I don't know. Just give me something, but yeah. that's what I'll be keen in on. And just from a play calling and head coaching standpoint, there's been nothing there as of late, as of the last season plus, to where I should have much faith that the game plan is going to change dramatically in a point where it's going to be a game changer Heading into this, heading into this game against the the Buccaneers on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with you. I want something in the middle. I'm, I'm going to call it. We're going to go innovative rhythm, and it's a good band name, but it's also going to be what I call for my offense because there hasn't been a rhythm. There's a couple good plays here and there, a couple interesting calls, but you never you never see the Bears in a rhythm like you see the Chiefs or other teams where they're just like a constant flow. The Even, Packers who are right, down receiver right. after receiver, right? Even if they go. I don't know, let's say 8 to 10 plays and end up punting. For those 8 to 10 plays, there was a rhythm and a, and a purpose and a progression. And I feel like the Bears never have that. It's kind of like there's a one-and-done really good play and then three really bad plays. There's not like a, a comfort of you're building up, you're building up, you're building up, and then you score. They just kind of have offshoots, and if they get lucky, they score. And I, 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 I don't like that, and I don't think that's what they're supposed to be. And Negi's not supposed to be that kind of guy because he's the offensive coach you hired to do this correctly. So, like, you, you, you have to get in a flow, and there's never a flow to this offense. So if they can do that, then all bets are off. Then, then, then you're in business. Yeah. Well, maybe part of that is signing um, Lamar Miller to the practice squad. Yeah, right? maybe, maybe that's maybe that's how things will kick in. It, interesting there, but I mean, with Tariq Cohen being out for the year, eh, the move makes sense. Put him on the practice squad, see if he can earn a spot on the active roster. Maybe it'll help the run game. I think what's mostly going to help the run game is some holes up front in the offensive line. Just just creating just creating a little bit of space for our running backs. But who am I? So I don't know, Joey. I guess we'll we'll wrap it up here with predictions, if you will. Um, we seem 
just over the moon about the beers and <laughs> super confident. I mean, we seem Super just, Bear Super Bowl. Come on. Man, we are just so ready for this Thursday night football game. I'll say this. I'll I'll re I'll kind of just reiterate again what we've been saying. It sucks that to me, the Bears' best chance of winning tomorrow, I'm dating the show, of winning on Thursday is the fact that it's Thursday night football. Right. <laughs> right? The fact that it could just be weird and fluky and some teams aren't as prepared as they should be or maybe they're still more tired or you know just weird things happen on Thursday night football it's it's a fact just go look at just go watch you know previous Thursday night football games that shouldn't be the number one reason why you can win <laughs> less <Right>? luck <laughs> yes like all oh, because Thursday night football is just weird and you know you came out of it was a weird game against the bucks and you came out of it um i'm not holding much of nick foles beating Tom Brady in a previous Super Bowl in which Foles won the Super Bowl MVP that year. I'm not putting that too much into that because Foles is on a way different team and he's at a different point of his career. So was Tom Brady. But I'll say Tampa Bay 24, Beers 10. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of offensive points. There, there's nothing. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Bears faithful out there. Uh, I want to give you reasons to believe more in the Bears, but I don't know. I, I, we gave you a reason to believe more in the Bulls a little earlier because we have Who would have thought you'd ever say that? We'd give them a better reason to believe in the Bulls than the Bears. I mean, it's just where we're at. The, the, a couple of years ago, nobody would have ever thought that. But such as Chicago sports, things just always like to – twirl and craziness so nuts bucks over the bears 24 10 sorry yeah i'm gonna do 30 30, 34 14 oh man (laughs) i'm gonna give the bears at least two touchdowns to make me feel a little happier but 34 30 so you think it's just gonna be just bad you're expecting just a bad game in terms of brady threw for five touchdowns last week yeah, no, and, I know, and, 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 and I know Foles did that the week before. I get there's there it can drop off, but but Joey, it's the Bears defense. Beer down, baby! It's the Bears defense. No, I know, I'm but if, if they're on the We're, field the whole day, they're not. They're gonna be to- <laughs> they're gonna be toast. That's true. I, hey, I, if you I score three points and a half question. again, then you're done. I mean, obviously yeah. because the other team will score more points, but it's because your defense has been on the field for for four hours. Yeah, the Bears have had many a quarter scoreless this year so far. Many a quarter scoreless. Just is what it is. Yuck. <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. Yeah, yeah right? Great it. way to end it. Hey, guys, how'd you end the podcast? Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for us yuckos here. He's Dan Collins. You can follow him at TweetDanCollins. I'm at Joey Gelman on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please like, rate, download, and subscribe to our show. It's the Believe in Chicago Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. We'll be back with you on Monday um, to recap. Even though the Bears play Thursday, we'll still do our normal schedule Monday, Thursday to uh, bring you all our Bears thoughts. And I'm sorry we had a depressing show of Bulls and Bears, but maybe... uh, I don't know. Maybe we can turn things around and and, and be excited for once because we got three more months of only bears until any other sport comes into the the purview. So, we'll, we'll yeah. So so we'll have to shake up our things a little bit. Maybe we'll force you to fall in love with Star Wars like Dan and I have already uh, in in our twenty it's plus years way. of existence. This is the way. <laughs> so, so on that note, 
Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll, we'll uh, talk to you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.